0: You're
1: listening to the voice of authority. You're listening to credibility. You're listening to expert analysis on daily sporting events. You're listening to the one place where you can get valuable information on gaming odds. And more. You're listening to Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM
2: Network. hour number two of the morning after on this tuesday right here on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 the new home for sports grid radio on sirius xm and all across the sports grid network most of this hour we will focus on college sports we start with some college football head coaching carousel updates oh my goodness what's happening down in south beach at miami and hey marcus freeman That's a head coach right there. And then we look at college hoops and how the market has moved for the NCAA Tournament National Champion. Then we'll go back to the NBA because in this second hour, we roll on for our second hour when the morning after becomes the early after, right here on the grid. I am Ben Stevens, but the morning after is the early after when Donnie Wrightside, like he was yesterday for the opening hour, or Kevin Walsh on this Tuesday, joins us for not one but two hours because both Kevin and Donnie host the early line each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time, right here on the grid, leading into us on the morning after. Kevin Walsh is live in studio with me. And Kevin, let's begin with the news out of the college football coaching carousel and one of the strangest stories you may ever see. Now, Miami wanted to get Mario Cristobal, a guy that played for the Canes during the glory days of the 80s and 90s, back To Miami the only issue was they already had a head coach Manny Diaz the head coach was still employed and yet they had a contract out to Mario Cristobal that apparently he liked but had not signed the dotted line he was out croutin brother out there on the west coast Oregon was lining up to play Oklahoma in the Valero Alamo Bowl he was on a press conference and still Manny Diaz had a job at Miami that all changed yesterday morning Manny Diaz was finally fired by the hurricanes, and about an hour later, it became official. Mario Cristobal, back to South Beach. One of the wildest stories you will ever see where so much money is involved, but hey, that's the beauty and the sadness at times of college football.
1: Look, all in all, though, what a great move for Mario Cristobal. So I think a lot of people accurately praise that move by Lincoln Riley because you go from having to recruit and coach against the SEC to walking him to the Pac-12. Basically, it appears taking all of your prior recruits with you to USC, and you'll probably be the favorites to win the conference next year. Similar situation for Ball. Not apples to apples, but maybe oranges to apples, oh. and it's good enough for me because look at the state of the ACC. So this was the first year the Coastal didn't win the conference since 2012. 10. And every year it was Clemson, Florida State, Clemson, Florida State. Well, we know that FSU is a program that's trying to figure it out and finish five and seven overall. Clemson on the decline at it- Not a ridiculous take. Brett Venable's gone. AD gone. Dabo maybe looking around the landscape, maybe begging old Saint Nick to retire so Dabo can go take his dream job with the Crimson Tide. And, you mean, Pitt? I mean, let's be honest there. It's a product of Kenny Pickett, probably similar to how UNC was a product of Sam Howell. At the end of the day, if Cristobal can get a couple of big name recruits and start to figure this out. Why can't Miami strike here with a window of opportunity and get back to prominence in a conference that, by the way, whether they're good or not, will still be labeled a Power 5?
2: Absolutely so. The ACC still holds that in the landscape of college football. And we can discuss... How exactly Miami is investing into Mario Cristobal and Miami as we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here to the second hour of the morning after on this Tuesday morning. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the Mighty 1090 out on the West Coast in all of our radio affiliates. It's Ben Stevens and Kevin Walsh with you on this Tuesday looking at the college football head coaching carousel that spins and spins and spins with a little bit of chaos every now and then as well. But Mario Cristobal is getting a huge contract, somewhere in the ballpark of $8 million per year. They also had to do that same amount of money to buy out Manny Diaz and to buy out Mario Cristobal's contract from Oregon. Mario Cristobal played for Miami back in the glory days. They are trying to bring back that spark. Is Miami back? We all wait and see. A team that played in the ACC two years ago Mm. and played in the ACC championship game two years ago. Notre Dame they also have a new head coach promoting defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman to be the new head man of the fighting Irish football program and at his introductory press conference yesterday Kevin Marcus Freeman had me feeling some type of way I do not pull for Notre Dame like you do OK dubs but Marcus Freeman keeps saying all the right things I'm like oh my god do I like Notre Dame now I feel (laughs) uncomfortable even saying that
1: well here's the thing Marcus The thing about them promoting Marcus Freeman and why that was a very surprising move is it's not a guy that's been there with Brian Kelly throughout the tenure and they just elevated him, right? This is his first year in South Bend and clearly showed enough to become the guy. Like, in some respect, you said, you know what, maybe they'll elevate, you know, Tommy Reese and Freeman will be kind of, it'll almost be like a, you know, 1A, 1B kind of deal. It was Freeman who got the job. And it's a Marcus Freeman who is 35 years old. Oh Brian Kelly I believe is 60. My point is that if Marcus Freeman is a hit of a hire, you're looking at the head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish mm. for decades. Plural. Now, then again, Oklahoma thought that with Lincoln Riley, so you never know what college football is going to hold. But that certainly is the plan there, I believe, for Notre Dame with that hire of Marcus Freeman. And and we talk about the opening in the ACC. Listen, this whole join a conference thing is incredibly overrated, but... Honestly, if Notre Dame wants an easier schedule, they should join the ACC.
2: Yeah, they should, and they'd probably win that conference championship. At least that's what you told to us all on the early line this morning. We go from college football to college hoops. Coming up here on the other side of the break, stay with us. Sirius XM, Channel 159. welcome back to the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 i am ben stevens alongside kevin walsh and right now we are going to look at college basketball we are entering what might be the final week of this first month of the college basketball regular season some conference action is picking up across the slate some big 10 games and also some games not far away from us here kev mm-hmm. in midtown manhattan at the garden tonight i cannot wait to discuss a couple of those games here coming up but first let's focus on some early conference action that we have around the country and what some i'm not going to say Hugh might describe as the best conference in all of college basketball that would be the glorious and prestigious big 10 conference kevin is already shaking his head but a great game last night between two bitter rivals and familiar foes Illinois and Iowa the Illini on the road in Iowa City inside Carver Hawkeye in Illinois picks up the road victory 87-83 improving to a perfect 2-0 so far in this early portion of their big 10 slate winning outright as a a three-and-a-half-point road underdog. Kevin, it was the first time all year the Illini were booked as an underdog, and then Kofi Coburn goes out there Mm -hmm. and drops 17 points in 18 rebounds, and Illinois gets a win over their rival in Iowa.
1: Now, let's just handle one thing right off the bat. Okay. Okay? Uh, Not the best conference (laughs) in college basketball. That's fair. It's not last year. It's it's actually – it's incredible because if – what happened last year to the Big Ten – in the NCAA tournament. Mm. Basically, where if they would have come out this year like gangbusters, I think a lot of people would have tried to say, you know what, let's be cautious. They've come out and actively been bad. And then you still try to sneak that in. You're better than that? Mm. Then again, I think back to some of your top 10s, maybe you're not. Anyway, (laughs) the Big 10, simply not the best in college basketball. But... It's still a very interesting conference with still a lot of interesting team. And Illinois, maybe the most interesting because obviously the start to the season isn't what they were looking for. Losing at home to Marquette, then getting blown out by Cincinnati, but also health not with this team early season or a suspension uh, eliminated Kofi for a couple of those games. and It can take teams a little bit of time to get their feet underneath them. At the end of the day, this is Big Ten play here. And they're going on the road as a slight dog, but a dog nonetheless, Mm -hmm. and beating Iowa. And the game before that, again, conference play against Rutgers. Yeah, they were a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Look at my 35 points. This is an Illinois team that does enter with some pedigree, does bring some carryover from last year's group that at one point felt like... The team to beat, maybe, in college basketball, with all of that momentum they had going into March Madness. So that is a team that I think can keep the Big Ten puffing their chest out a little bit and saying we've got some legitimate horses here in the conference it
2: was a man named Big Ten Ben that was indeed puffing his chest out last year in the early portion of March saying that Illinois was going to win the Big Ten Conference its first national championship in men's basketball in two decades it is this Big Ten Ben that puffs his chest out right now and says it will be the Purdue Boilermakers Mm -hmm. winning the Big Ten Conference its first national championship in men's basketball for the first time in 21 years and you will see the boilers right there as the favorites to win the big 10 at plus 150 michigan the second shortest odds at plus 440 the wolverines in action in a big 10 game against nebraska tonight it has not been a great start for michigan this year illinois now back to the third shortest odds the illini have won five straight games they have covered in three in a row they are plus 500 to win the big 10 conference as things stand at the moment On the FanDuel Sportsbook. So we move away from the Big Ten Conference and we head to the Mecca, the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, for two great college basketball games tonight. In the opener of the night, it is Texas Tech Mm -hmm. and Tennessee. In the nightcap, oh yeah, everybody up. Let's go, Orange, Syracuse, and Villanova. I say that chant because I am a proud SU alum. Now, the Orange tonight a nine and a half point underdog against villanova the cats the sixth ranked team in the country number six as well in ken palms efficiency ratings the over under total in the ballpark of 144 in a hook kevin am i going to have my heart broken tonight watching syracuse get stomped by villanova or core the Inc. or can the orange at least cover a spread
1: uh, listen i yeah I, i'm glad you kind of I was going to say, have your heart broken if they lose as a double-digit favorite would certainly be a product of your own expectation here. Now, the interesting thing about Syracuse is we've seen a couple of games this year where they come out in the first half and it's all Syracuse. And doesn't that make a lot of sense with who they are? First half, sometimes they go bonkers from threes, but also that zone, which is so gimmicky, but still oh, works. come on. It is, but it works. <laughs> but and, and all of a sudden, a Villanova team's kind of figuring it out, right? The interesting thing about a Villanova team that ranks sixth in the country, if not for the collapse in the second half, basically the final 10 minutes of the second half against UCLA, yeah. they'd be, what, second? in the country, with their only loss being a six-point loss to Purdue, who's number one in the country there, this Villanova team is real good. They, They are. And Jay Wright is a guy that, no matter what conversation you're having about the top five coaches in college basketball, that's a name you're going to bring into the mix here. And I say all of that to say, if you're looking to back Syracuse tonight, I'm looking to do it in the first half
2: opposed to the full game. Villain over this year, six and two straight up. As Kevin mentioned, there are only two losses to UCLA on the road in Westwood at Pauley Pavilion and against Purdue, who is now the number one team in the country, the first time in Purdue basketball history. They are four and four against the spread. They have been a favorite in six of those eight games, all four of their covers coming as a favorite. The line is dropped by a hook in the favor of the Orange. That's a good sign in my mind. Syracuse, by the way, five and three straight up this year. The Orange have struggled at times, but they have been booked as an underdog in their last three games. They have covered in the last two, winning outright in the last two as well. They will be, as it stands right now on FanDuel, a nine-point underdog against Villanova. I am scared for this game because Villanova is a really good three-point shooting team and although Kevin calls the zone a gimmick I do not believe it is I will raise my kids to play the 2-3 zone in our rec leagues moving forward (laughs) Villanova is a really good three-point shooting team in fact the seventh best three-point shooting team in the country shooting the ball from three at 42.7 percent again the seventh best team from deep in all of college basketball, and out of 358 teams, Kevin, Villanova has the 11th slowest tempo, 3:47 out of 3:58. They are going to try to control this game, and if they are knocking down their threes, it will be difficult for Syracuse to stay in it. Maybe why the over/under total of 144 and a half has already dropped dropped by a point to 143 in a hook. But I can already give you a sneak peek here, Kev. My bye 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 best bet is going to involve the Orange.
1: Listen, that that's great. I just want to throw something out quickly on the FanDuel Sportsbook here. They have alt team totals, which is pretty interesting. Mm. And you take what Ben just said and if you want to get involved with a nice little plus money shot. How about an 82 and a half for a team total for Villanova over, right? Pays you plus 255. Syracuse has allowed over that mark three of their last four opponents, and that doesn't include 100 that they gave up to Colgate. Plus 255, I'm just saying, you want to get involved a little bit there, not bad.
2: Had to bring up the Colgate game, huh? That's tough. You lose to a toothpaste. All right. Anyway, we move on to the first game of the night at Madison Square Garden. Tennessee – And Texas Tech. And Kevin, I will be there for the second half of this game inside MSG tonight. And I cannot wait. It's a top 20 tilt according to the Ken Palm efficiency rankings right now. Where Tennessee is a slight 4 Four and a half point favorite. The over-under total is 139. Both of these teams are 6-1 and one straight up this year, both 4-3 mm. and three against the spread. Tennessee ranked in the top 25. A Ben Stevens on this show when we were breaking down the college basketball season before it got underway said the Tennessee Volunteers, when put on the spot, would be in his final four. I don't know if I believed it, but maybe <laughs> not off to a terrible start so far
1: also feel like you probably put yourself on the spot <laughs> for that final four if i had to guess now you think you'd show up for the full game right if it's one of your final four teams nope. but big time ben yeah. as a lot of people know him, I guess can't make the time for that the interesting thing of course is tennessee just a little bit more battle tested early season mm-hmm. here than texas tech it's the reason why despite being as you mentioned top 20 ken pom not top 25 in the country really their only credible game was a loss as a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite against Providence. It makes it difficult for me to trust Texas Tech here.
2: It was their most recent game, but Tech, the top offensive rebounding team in the country. More college basketball coming up next year on The Grid.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: The morning after on this Tuesday rolls on right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid network alongside Kevin Walsh, or at least I believe I'm alongside Kevin Walsh, live in studio right now. I am Ben Stevens. The morning after becomes the early after. And on the early after, we always look to give you the edge. We bleed the winning edge here. And sometimes that means looking at the futures market, even in college basketball, this early on in the season, before we even get to late February and early March, we want to let you know what the national championship market looks like and where the movement has gone and what prices might be too short at the moment. Let's do all of that in Market Movers. all right so where has the national championship market in men's college basketball started to move we first look at the numbers prior to the year to where they are right now so these numbers come from the middle portion of november the day before the season got underway of course gonzaga was a very short favorite at the time the only team with a triple digit price at plus 650 purdue was 13 to 1 duke 15 to 1. Kansas was tied for the fourth shortest odds with the Boilermakers at 13 to 1. The reigning national champions, the Baylor Bears, were 23 to 1. Villanova, 14 to 1. And then Texas was tied for the second shortest odds with Michigan, who you won't even see on this board right now at plus 1,200. Then we go to today the seven best odds to win the national championship as things stand. Gonzaga has lost two basketball games, and their odds somehow got $2 shorter at least at plus 440. Purdue is now the number one team in the country at plus 700 to win the national championship. Duke plus 750. Kansas and Baylor 15-1, to tied for the fourth shortest odds. Nova and Texas also there tied at plus 1600. A lot of movement here. Who better to break it Mm. down than Kevin Walsh, not even at the desk, but on his two feet Kevin Walsh over at the side monitor.
1: It is a great opportunity to be involved here in Market Movers, one of the all-time segments in the history of Sports Grid, And it is very important to do at this early point in the season of college basketball because you want to know the early moves as, of course, then you can really understand the late moves. And, Ben, you brought up a lot of interesting teams, but this team at the top here, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, is the most interesting a a Gonzaga team that at points can drum up a little bit of controversy if you're in the room with someone that loves Gonzaga and then the folks that are like yeah they don't play anybody there now listen Those folks are having a whale of a season thus far because the love Gonzaga's after the UCLA game essentially asked people, hey, can you pay me out for my odds to win the national championship? The people who say they don't play anybody obviously watch none of those games. They're wild human beings, but they feel vindicated due to Duke and Alabama beating Gonzaga. As always, the truth lands in the middle, but these odds to me aren't representative of the truth. They open at plus 650. Red means good in this instance here. It means that they've moved in a positive direction in terms of perception for the Gonzaga Bulldogs, down by minus 210 here, right? They're at plus 440, still favored to win the national championship. So, Ben, I ask this to you Mm. on the Gonzaga Bulldogs here. This says that Gonzaga has overperformed expectations, Is that in any stretch of the imagination true? Because I see a Gonzaga team that has underperformed
2: to open up their season. Let's give the Zags credit for going through this non-conference slate in a year following a college basketball season that didn't have many marquee matchups in the non-con. And they have scheduled very difficult games against Texas, against UCLA, against Duke, and then finally against Alabama. But Kevin, they have lost two of their last three games against Duke. And against Alabama, and guess what? They were a favorite in all of those games. So have they overperformed expectation? At least not according to the bookmakers. Maybe they lose a game in there. But they've been a favorite, obviously, in every game this year. And they are 4-5 and against the number. This number would make sense to me in the national championship market a month from now if we were talking about the same Gonzaga team that we saw last year that was a perfect, unbeaten team entering the national championship game against Baylor. Why they have gotten this much shorter is a little bit confounding to me, and that's what the movement doesn't make a ton of sense right now as we look at this market movers board. And what that
1: means, if we all agree that this Gonzaga move here is unjustified, then that means the value in this board is everywhere. Because they're the favorites, and that means every team below them is presenting value. But where you are seeing the two biggest moves on this board right now The reigning defending national champion, Baylor Bears, still unbeaten. And the Duke Blue Devils, who have a straight-up win over the Gonzaga Bulldogs. But we have to talk about Purdue. We have to talk about Purdue. 13-1, down to 7-1. A group that, listen, it is somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I talk about disliking them. It is not all that serious. But it is a group that I know Ben likes. And Ben has been, been proven correct unquestionably to open this season. Trevion Williams entered with the second-best odds to win Player of the Year in all of college basketball. Trevion Williams might not be a top-two player on Purdue, and that's a good thing. This is a group that has not lost a game, will be battle-tested in the Big Ten, and truthfully, though, will stack up wins even if they give you a couple losses there throughout Big Ten play, Ben. I look at Purdue more than any team in the country as what I would say your most likely team to be a number one seed come March and
2: that creates still value even though again it's dropped $6 on Purdue. I think Kevin just brought up one of the best points that you will hear about this Market Movers graphic. We are talking about the NCAA Tournament National Championship market right now, right? What does that mean? It's a tournament. For goodness sake, which means anything can happen. That's why they call the thing March Madness. It is a very difficult market to handicap as you even stand here in the early portion of December trying to decipher the early first month of the college basketball regular season but if you are going to position yourselves well for a run to the madness and for a run to early april to have a potential to cash one of these plus money prices cutting down the nets Mm. as an ncaa tournament national champion then to be a number one seed would be a pretty good thing and i think purdue as they are positioned right now kevin like you brought up a perfect eight Mm no six and two against the spread this year and at plus 150 to win the Big Ten Conference, if Purdue even gets close to that. They will be in strong, strong consideration all year long to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Will Gonzaga probably be there as well? Yeah, Mm -hmm. if they don't lose any more games and they're a two-loss team. But if they're going to be in comparison to a team like a Duke or a UCLA or like Kansas then we might have some issues with who will be a number one seed. And that all goes into this conversation about who ultimately cuts down the nets.
1: And, and, and let me then add on to that, because this is why I'm sure some people out there might be listening and say, I'm challenging you, Gonzaga odds to be the number one seed. Here's why I'm not sure that would be a legitimate case right now for them. This group so far going unbeaten in WCC play, I don't think is a guarantee. This isn't last year's team. Mm-hmm. Jalen Suggs is on the Orlando Magic. Corey Kispert is on the Washington Wizards, not the Gonzaga Bulldogs. It's not the same group. Just Like, they don't go unbeaten in WCC play every single year. You know this, Ben. And I look right now at the college basketball landscape, and if they don't go unbeaten in WCC play, then that might just be enough to knock them off of the one line. An opportunity just to acknowledge right now those Baylor-Bear odds that we brought up here. Please. Baylor's a defending national champion. Yep. So if you're going to move Gonzaga based on pedigree and prior success, then you better start moving the Baylor Bears. And yes, I understand that they have. But I always will look at futures odds, especially odds to win a championship, Super Bowl, NBA Finals, college basketball, national championship, through tiers. And where, again, I continue to scream and shout about value is is being booked as Tier 1, and they're the only team there. Then Tier 2 would be Purdue and Duke. And then just a bunch of other teams. And I just, I disagree fundamentally with a lot of that right now, Ben. I think tier one, it, look, tier one is either
2: Purdue by themselves or it's comprised of about seven, eight teams in college basketball. I completely agree with you. The Baylor Bears have been fantastic this year, already exceeding expectation. We see that they are down by $8 from where they started the year at 23 to 1 to 15 to 1. And when you look at Ken Palm's efficiency rankings, Gonzaga's still number one. Purdue is number two, the number one overall team in the AP Top 25. And then you have the Baylor Bears as the number three team in Ken Palm's efficiency ranking. So, Kevin, on this Market Movers board, we're only seeing seven teams right now. The top seven odds to win the college basketball national championship. But we could go down because as you break it in tiers, you say Gonzaga's number one, maybe Purdue and Duke number two, and then a whole bevy of teams. If you were looking for value... On this board, mm-hmm. where might else you look to see possibly where a team is playing, maybe out in the Pac-12, yes. to find some value on this board? I think the Pac-12 is where you look, and I think it is the Arizona Wildcats
1: that present that value here. A 7-0 record, 6-1 against the number. We talk about blowing past expectations. That 32-1 to price there on Arizona, 16th best odds. Currently in the AP Top 25, 11th. Currently in Ken Palm, 12th. On that alone, if you trust those rankings, Arizona presents value. Their odds to win the Pac-12 growing shorter and shorter. And they, by the way, are not just beating up on nobodies. Ask the Michigan Wolverines Mm. if this Arizona group looks like they can be legitimate here overall. 32-1. to will continue to shrink if they keep playing like this.
2: That number is going to continue to shrink because their number to win the Pac-12 is plus 165 right now. UCLA is only plus 125. A lot of growth right there for Arizona. More of the morning after, up next here on The Grid. back right here on the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 and all across the sports grid network alongside kevin walsh for the second hour of when the morning after becomes the early after right here on the grid i am ben stevens and we go around the association to look at three matchups tonight a short slate on this tuesday evening for the nba and we'll break down those games in just a moment but some breaking news this morning Out of the NBA, Shams Charania, the athletic NBA reporter, the Woj and Shams bombs that we can expect at all times with some big news. About 20 minutes ago, he tweeted, Sources, beginning January 15th, any NBA player who is not fully vaccinated will be unable to enter Canada to play games in Toronto. Canadian government will require all individuals entering Canada to be fully vaccinated. Obviously, that affects a bevy of teams that will be making road trips to take on the Raptors. And that starts in just over a month for a good portion of the remainder of this NBA Regular season, Kevin Walsh. We are reacting to this live in studio together, exchanging some thoughts throughout that commercial break. What do you take away from this? News?
1: Let, let me just pair that with the additional report that Adrian Wojnarowski gave us uh, of ESPN, of course, saying any unvaccinated NBA player with temporary visa status leaving the country will be unable to re-enter the United States. For example, a player would be unable to re-enter after playing in Canada or perhaps traveling outside the states for all star weekend Hmm. now this really hones in though specifically on games against the Toronto Raptors so here's what this really is going to now boil down to if you're unvaccinated you're not going to play against the Toronto Raptors in Toronto so straight immediate gambling uh, outlook there there's no updated win totals here on the FanDuel Sportsbook. One, funny enough, I actually do have, they're over. They're horrible at home. So maybe this is what they needed to win some of their home games there. Secondly, though, the NBA does have a pretty... Uh, high percentage of their players vaccinated. So look, it, this isn't a, a spot where also like, oh, the state's coming. I, I don't, you know, Steph's not going to play. I, I don't know Steph's vaccination status. We don't really know. We're going to find out evidently when these teams are lined up to play in Toronto, which is pretty interesting, but it can provide some value there. If you wanted to take a shot on the Raptors to make the playoffs at plus 270 on this news, then fine, so be it. Here's where I think the biggest kind of fallout from this is Ben. we are at this rate two steps away from the nba handing out a mandate that at this rate i don't know why they don't if you're not vaccinated you can't play i mean it's basically where we are i mean good i mean if, if guys go and play against the toronto raptors they're subject to fine suspension or other action if they miss the game but then if they go they might not be able to come back into the United States, I mean, we're, we're looking at something right now that, again, is a couple of steps away from the NBA handing down that mandate. No matter what you feel about that out there, that's not the point. This is the NBA stance, and mm-hmm. I, I just think at this point, Ben, make it concrete.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think Kevin brought up a good point as well. This is not going to be – this is a, a big new. this is big news, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. a sweeping indictment on what teams might suffer as they go to Toronto, I'm not entirely sure. Right. Because of how high the vaccination rate is, in the national basketball association could you miss a couple of players a reserve or two maybe a star as you make a road trip to toronto certainly so but is it going to be like you miss an entire team playing off against the Raptors probably not but things to keep in mind and also things to keep in mind from the betting perspective because that is what we do here on the morning after and as Kev alluded to the Raptors this year at home the worst record at home against the number three and nine ATS not covering by an average margin of over four points per game so news that we will keep you updated with In the NBA, of course, that is what we do and what the gambling ramifications or just to make you a better and more informed sports better might be here moving forward. So let's focus on tonight's games. A couple of good ones, some marquee matchups in the NBA slate. The Brooklyn Nets head out to Texas for a little Texas two-step. They take on the Dallas Mavericks tonight, the Houston Rockets later in this week. And right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the Brooklyn Nets, a slight road favorite against the Dallas Mavericks, laying two and a half points, maybe three and a half points. Points as I check the updated line here, four points now. In fact, on the road against the Dallas Mavericks, the over/under total here, Kevin, two eighteen and a hook, up by three points from when I saw it earlier this morning.
1: Mm-hmm. Look, this is a really fun game here uh, because the Brooklyn Nets are coming off of a loss, and that typically means you can trust them to come back and win. We've yet to see this team start a losing streak on the season. They're also playing a Dallas team that doesn't fit the mold of one of the NBA's best, which which means that they should win. Here's a realistic look right now on the Brooklyn Nets. They can't beat the upper echelon without Kyrie. We've been trying to figure out where does this land? Do they need Kyrie? Do they not need Kyrie? The answer is when they get to the second round of the NBA playoffs, they need Kyrie. That's where we can view the Brooklyn Nets as it stands tonight. Now, Dallas is entering this game with a probable tag on Kristaps Porzingis and a questionable tag on Luka Doncic. Obviously, those things are very, very important. Again, Kristaps probable. That number says to me, mm. Luka plays. Could be wrong, though. Maybe it is splitting the difference, but I don't think Brooklyn is like a one-point or two-point favorite uh, against a Dallas Mavericks fully healthy group there. So that line says, to me, Luka Doncic plays. We'll see if that ultimately pans out. But where I found myself in this spot being most interested in backing the Brooklyn Nets is the player performance double market, Harden double-double, Nets to win, plus 154. Here is where Harden makes so much sense in the market. Because everything we just talked about, Ben, I feel good about a Nets win, right? Yeah. Harden for a double-double. He doesn't average a double-double. Obviously, that is quite rare. Yet, ranks sixth in the NBA in total double-doubles. Because if you look at the guys in front of right? Jonas Valanciunas, Sabonis, Gobert, Capella, Jokic, right? What are they all? We, we know it. Rebound the ball. They, is, they're yeah. going to double-digit boards. That's what they do. He actually has the same amount as Giannis and Jared Allen. It's it's all the same thing. Harden can do it in multiple ways. Yes, it's typically more assists, averaging 9.5 assists per game, but he's done it in plenty of times with rebounds. We've seen him have double-digit rebounds in four of his last eight games. Again, 50% is enough because very often he can then pick that up with the assist side of it. That is where the plus money on Harden for a double-double on a Nets win is interesting to me.
2: And it was on this very program just a week ago that the Nets were coming off of a loss, and Kevin Walsh gave you the same play, a yeah, James Harden mine. double-double along with a Nets win, a player performance double with big plus money on the FanDuel Sportsbook, and you could cash that ticket. If you are here in the greater New York City area, you can also see Kevin Walsh on a pregame tonight for the Nets and the dallas mavericks as i believe he might be doing a little pregame hit am i correct in saying that kevin it's it you know what's a national tv game yeah and
1: that that same thing happened last week i just let it rock yeah hey listen pumping it out
2: i'm just trying to stroke your ego to the best of my abilities now here's something to know about this game between the dallas mavericks and the brooklyn Nets. we're talking about two teams with bottom 5 records against the spread in the entire NBA. The Nets have the third worst ATS mark in the association, 8-14 and 1 against the spread this year, despite the fact they are tied for the best record in the East. Now, a quick clarification there. The Nets are 16-7 and seven straight up. The Chicago Bulls are 17-8 and eight straight up. The Bulls have one more win, but one more loss. Pretty much the winning percentage equals out as of right now. We'll see how that all plays out the rest of the season. But again, Brooklyn has struggled, and they have been a favorite in 21 of their 23 games. They will be a favorite most likely on the road tonight if this line holds. And against the spread as a favorite, 7-13-1 against the number. The Dallas Mavericks, 9-13 ATS this year, the 5th worst record against the spread and you would expect a team like dallas maybe rarely when they've been booked as an underdog to over exceed expectations they have not done that even as an underdog eight games this year previous as a dog just three in five against the number all things to keep in mind tonight as the brooklyn nets hit the road in dallas to take on the mavericks right now on FanDuel, a four point favorite also tonight in the night cap one of the most historic rivalries in all of basketball the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers meeting up once again the Lakers at home right now there has been some market movement this morning the spread has worked in Boston's favor from three points earlier when I checked now just to two points On the FanDuel Sportsbook. You'll often find that by the way. We will see a lot of movement in the morning as you get ready for an NBA slate. And the over-under total has also moved up from 217 and a half to 220 right now, live on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Kev, these two historic rivals have already met once this year. Boston absolutely destroyed the Lakers on the road in the TD Garden in Boston. 130 to 108 what can we expect tonight between boston and los angeles
1: the interesting thing about that destruction while an accurate description doesn't capture the entirety of the game that actually saw the lakers lead at half Mm. and at one point hold a lead as much as 14 points the interesting thing about this game is it actually looks like a good spot to me for the Lakers. But that just means you can't bet the spread. Yeah. I, I Again, I know people have this perception of me. It's yeah. not true. I don't no, tell right people means- to bet the Lakers yeah. every single night. I, I would like for them to cover. I would like for them to beat up on teams. They just don't do that. And it would be poor advice to say bet the Lakers against the number because we've we seen what the Lakers have done against the number this year. But oh, do you know who's the best over team in the entire association?
2: That would be the L.A. Lakers,
1: right, Kevin? It sure would. And would you know this? That last game you talked about featured 238 points. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what's going on with the Boston Celtics, but their last two games, 137-130, a loss to Utah, and it went over the Portland Trail Blazers that might have sent that team spiraling, mm. 145-117. to So pair all of that... Their prior game in the Lakers' status as an over-machine. Last year, the best defensive rating in the NBA this season outside of the top 10. And I expect points. I expect points, no doubt about it. If you want to be a little more cautious... Does a Celtics team total over make some more sense? You could easily sell me on that. But as you mentioned, that three-point move, I saw because we broke this game down on the early line at 217 and a half, now two twenty and a half. Totally understandable.
2: The Lakers have played two and over in four of their last five games. As Kevin mentioned, the highest over percentage in all of the NBA. 62 and a half percent of their games. That is something you must note because this year a good majority of the teams in the entire association are playing a majority of their games to an under. Only seven teams have played 50% or more of their games to an over, the Lakers being the one that has done that the most often, 62.5% of their games hitting the over, and it makes no sense to bet the Lakers against the spread until something changes. Yes. The worst ATS record in the NBA, 8-14 and 14 against the number, and as a favorite, a abysmal 3-12 mm. against the spread. Only one team has a worse cover percentage. That would be the New Orleans Pelicans, who are 0-2 against the number as a favorite. So I guess you could really say the Lakers with a much stronger and much more substantial sample size, the worst team against the spread as a favorite in the NBA this year. Also, Kevin, we brought up the San Antonio Spurs covering last night on the road against the Phoenix Suns. They will be a two-point home underdog tonight against, bing-bong, the New York Knicks (laughs) on the road, laying two points over under two eleven. Your quick thoughts.
1: Spurs piping out against the number. However, second leg of a back-to-back. The last time they played on a back-to-back, games two and three of the season who built this schedule this is their first back-to-back that they will play of three in a two-week window who built this schedule i think that's why you're seeing the knicks as a favorite there it feels like a spot where you trust that line trust the knicks having the rest advantage and take down san antonio who again is on that second leg of a back-to-back
2: the over under for that game as we mentioned 211 i am going to madison square garden tonight also the same over under 211 for the amount of times i scream bing bong as i walk in to msg we round out hour number two up next here on the grid Closing out hour number two here of the morning after on this Tuesday on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the new home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. We close out hour number two with some sadness because our dear friend Kevin Walsh <laughs> leaves us at the conclusion of this second hour. The morning after for these first two hours has transformed into the early after. And what fun it has been! We barely talked about college football. Even after the college football playoff was announced, but we had other things to get to on this Tuesday. Still about two and a half, three weeks until we even get to the CFP semifinals. But before we go, mm. we talk about the CFP semifinals in buy or sell. Kevin Walsh, mm. right now, the Georgia Bulldogs, a nine point favorite over Michigan, the Alabama Crimson Tide, a 14 point favorite over Cincinnati. Are you buying or selling that both favorites win, not oh, cover, but win? You know what? Hmm.
1: You have to always in life try and and be an oddsman and go where the value takes you. Hmm. And I look at this spot here and I ask myself, well what would happen if I were to parlay the two favorites and it would be minus 193. So this question is essentially a freebie. It's even money each and it's a yes or no. But for the people. I am a man of the people, and I know there are people Uh-oh. close and dear to this show Uh-oh. who are begging me to tell you that there will be an upset. In this top four. So for the people, I won't lie. There's not going to be an upset. It's going to be Bama versus Georgia. You hate to see that cash out if you got a ticket on Cincinnati. Especially because that's how you help the people. You don't lie to them, you right? Also, I want to retroactively go back quickly to Lakers-Celtics. The Celtics are going to get ran off of the court. They might actually send Jason Tatum to the G League after the game. LeBron James is back to you from the Celts the absolute business. You love to see that.
2: That's a, I, a I mean, that's a, <laughs>
1: oh, by the way, we were robbed of Notre Dame plus the points. Disgraceful. So,
2: had Byersel been, is Notre Dame going to outright win as a 24.5 point underdog against Bama? Oh. With Marcus Freeman, he would have said yes. Hour three of the morning after next.